Welcome everyone to the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore. This podcast is presented by Bike911.com. Bike911.com if you need some legal advice, especially, obviously, from the name, motorcycle stuff. Okay, Alex Asante out in California there. They'll get you handled. Bike911.com. That's a website, Jason Pridmore, in case you don't know. Thank you. As you are, I have no idea. Thank you. Take, taking a photo of the of the screen. See what what people don't see is <sighs> here we go. We could we could be posting Starting videos early. Of, of our podcast, but mm-hmm. number one, I don't have time, and number two, we are very inconsistent with where we shoot this and it's the internet so connections we have and all that stuff. Right? How you doing? It man? is funny. I'm good, man. How are you? Good. You ready to swing the club? You get back into it? Yeah. Tournament this week, but man, it was. I had such a great time in Coda. I I'll tell you, it's funny. You know, we talk about Coda all the time, and kind of it being whatever it is and it not being a favorite track and this and that. Didn't the whole vibe seem different this weekend without MotoGP being there? Oh yeah. So much better. Like, like it's just so much better. I was on the tram on the way in on Sunday and somebody was talking about, so there was a, there was a gentleman on the, on the bus with me and he asked me how the weekend's going. And I said, man, it's just, it's so nice having a standalone event with Moto America, the freedom to get through the paddock a little easier. Um, there's just a number of things that I thought were so much better. And I actually rode there the weekend before. And Greg, I hadn't ridden there since you and I were there nine years ago when we rode, um, when I did that Ducati thing. And uh, I, I had a blast. I really, I, I didn't, I didn't mind the track. Now there's some, kind of wavy big rolling bumps that I know on a MotoGP bike would be would be horrendous. Um but all in all, there's about two or three turns that are that have some bumps to it. The back straightaway is super bumpy, but you're up upright. Um but I had fun, man. I had fun there. I had a blast going to the track each day and and um our booth stinks. That is officially now <laughs> the worst thing about Coda for us, huh? The booth, you know, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that, though, right? Isn't it kind of hard to believe? Wow. That yeah, with the, fa- with the great facility that they have, yeah. it's like the booths were after little afterthoughts. It's like, oh wait, we might have to do TV here someday. <clears throat> uh, where should we put the booths? And so, well, it's just but, for you and yeah. I too, we just got we got like not the best one that they have. That's all. You know, just from an air conditioning standpoint. And it and it's well, hard to rough, complain yeah. because I understand that it was unreal. Like what? 108, 104, and 99 degrees the three days that we were there. But when you have a room full of equipment that's that small and the other rooms are half the size with an air conditioned vent, the other big room was the same size as ours, but with two AC vents and we didn't have it. Right. It's, it's you know, when you got to jump on camera and stuff on and off camera, last thing you want is pit stains. Well, not just that, but like it was so hot outside. So if you and I were outside for any reason, if you were going and getting reports and stuff like you do, and then we've got to be on at nine 45 in the morning to, to do our uh, standups. It's it, you, you, once you get inside, you start sweating, you know, like it's pretty, it was pretty wild. So, um, excuse me, the city of Austin's a trip. Like, (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing what that place has turned into in nine years. Oh, you know? really? Especially at three thirty in the morning. Any comments? Yeah, yeah. No, we we went. We uh, yeah, we had we had a night. We had we had a night there over the ten days I was there. Yeah, not and, me, uh, I, not me, folks. I wasn't there. I'm a Boy Scout. Hundred uh-huh. percent. 
Oh God! If you would have been there, that would have been. Well, no. You know what? Hold on. That would have been. Let, a me, blast. let me rephrase that. Let mm-hmm. me rephrase that because I just saw a documentary on the Boy Scouts of America and all of their, their. Uh, yeah, you might not want to really, clump yourself into that. Yeah, no, no. That's just, that's that's way old school saying that. I let me step back. I am an angel. Yeah, How's that. All right. I'd say you're a brownie. Don't. Huh? huh? <laughs> anyway, look, folks. This podcast, we're going to talk about Moto America at Circuit of the Americas. We're going to talk MotoGP at Mizano. World Superbike was also in action. They were at Magni Core, mm. where it was also pretty hot, Jay. Yeah, I don't know if you there. Seen John, Johnny Ray posted his, his, his videos. He's got a YouTube channel, you know, and he posts his videos. And I know on uh, the day that they were walking around the track, so it must have been Thursday, it was 30 degrees C. Wow. So yeah. that's... 33 degrees was, I think, almost 34 degrees C was what we saw at Coda. Mm. So it was pretty warm there. We're also yeah, going to talk pretty hot. We're a really little unusual. fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, did it ever rain in Magni Court? I didn't, I didn't I really. I think it did, because it always really does. Rain. I don't think it did. Yeah, Johnny made the comment. He was like, at the beginning of the video, he's standing underneath the, there's like a bridge, I think, that says Magni Core on it or something. Yep. And he was standing there behind him. And he goes, I'm not really sure where we are right now. Because yep. I thought we were two hours south of France, and it always rains here. But always for some reason, it's really dry. Amazing. So it was, was kind of funny. And yeah. uh, everybody was trying to ask him about his move to Yamaha and stuff. And he can't. He's under gag order because he still rides for Kawasaki. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> one of the presenters was really good. He's like, I really need to ask you. I know that there's a lot of limitations to what you can say. But I have to ask you this question. You know, what do you think about Bulaga going to Ducati? <laughs> Johnny was like, oh, good. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, Anyway, uh, so as you know, folks, if you want to support this channel with no extra content, no extra anything, patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV. It's in the description as well. But why don't we get to our news presented by Arai? And somewhere here, Jason... I have what I'm supposed to say. Let's do it. Helmets made by the dedicated hands of those who work at Arai have shown examples of supreme protection for decades. The numerous improvements by their experienced hands and personal desire to further the protection of riders' heads are among the many unique reasons why Arai helmets perform the way they do. From our very first helmet to those we make today, rider protection remains our first priority. And we at Arai shall never forget the value of what we've been seeking to protect is priceless so you get it folks that's like they're protecting your head they're protecting you because your head is i mean i think if you cut pridmore's head off he'd probably Mm. still you know do what he does but most people your head's a critical component of you as a person i think you know look kind of you kind of look like you have your head cut off jay right now i do i feel like i do yeah Yeah. your makeup is running you look like actually anyway i actually uh, slept last night Good Which for you, never, dude. Never really happens for me. That was yeah. good. That was interesting. Um, all right. First thing I want to do is just kind of address some Moto America rumors that are going around. I don't know if you've heard this or not, Jay, but my phone was was uh, was pinging a little bit when I was on the plane ride home. Post race for the Medallia Superbike class, there were some fuel samples that were taken from the Medallia Superbikes, the podium finishers, and from what I'm told, it's just a standard random technical check. Okay, they pulled fuel from the bikes and they're going to send them to the lab for compliance and all that stuff. It's nothing more than that. There are all these rumors going around that, oh, people might be disqualified. They took three samples from this bike and only two from another bike and all that stuff. 
So if you're a Moto America competitor or you're a fan and you've heard some wild rumors about it, don't worry about it. It's just kind of standard stuff. It's really up to tech, up to Teague, when he does it, when he doesn't do it, and he just felt like it was time to do it. Mm. So that's that. I, did you hear anything of No, about I, I, I until I just read what you just wrote. I hadn't heard a thing about that. Yeah, well. P- people know. People know that I don't know shit, so they, they don't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that you you go home and you're like me, dude. It's like like right now archery's over for me, you know, for the uh-huh. for the year. So I'm I'm gonna be in like motorcycle race mode all the time. Yeah. Like when we left pit race, I literally the moment I left the racetrack, I was in archery mode because I had two straight weeks of archery. You know? Yeah. So I had to catch up on thank goodness we do the podcast. Yeah. So anyway, I know that you're in golf mode right now. Anyway, so that's that. Just just wanted to say that. Um let's talk a little MotoGP because we're going to talk about what happened in MotoGP over the race weekend, but on Monday they had a test and all the teams were there that needed to be there. And there were supposed to be basically Honda courting Mark Marquez saying, this is what we're going to bring to the table for 2024. And Marquez basically said that he's not happy with what Honda brought to the table. Further putting gasoline on this rumor fire of where he's going to go. Additionally, Jason, there's a new motor that that Yamaha brought to Quattararo and management's going, this bike, this bike's going to be faster and easier ride. Oh. And Quattararo said, yeah, eh. It, it, eh. Eh. <laughs> right. Well, it, it's, but this is the difference between looking at numbers or, and then actually computing that onto the racetrack itself. Like you can look at things. Cause there had been times before where I'd ridden for teams where they're like, Jay, the motor's going to be way better here and it's going to be way better there or whatever. And you get on it and you go, eh, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's not maybe what you guys think it's going to be, you know? So it, and, and it's got to be extremely disheartening to everybody involved when, you know, when quarter hour gets off that bike and goes, well, yeah, it's not that big a difference. Yeah, it's got to be disheartening for Yamaha because they brought in this dude who's an F1, you know, like engine designer. And, and he also helped Aprilia with their 90 degree. Like there's a lot of promise. But I go back to this, Jay, and I'm going to say this again. OK, Yamaha, in my opinion, they're trying to make old architecture, meaning inline four cylinders work where nobody else has gone down that road. Everybody's mm-hmm. at the V4, you know, uh, configuration, basically. And it's like. You're the last of it. Just yeah. embrace it, man. Build a new engine. Build a V4 and, yeah. and and figure it out and take the hit because I just don't know. No matter how much management said at the end of last year, there's so much more we can get out of an inline four cylinder. I don't see it. And do you think, Greg, do you think do you think that we've come to that point where ideas are are a lot more sparse than they are than they've been over the last 80 years, 50 years. I mean, you think about like the direction that Ducati, Aprilia, KTM have all gone. And then you have, I never thought I would see a time ever where Japanese manufacturers would not be able to compete with, with European um, manufacturers, you know? So like when you start to think about it and you look at things and you go, Honda and Yamaha almost just seem like they've got to just like you just said it. They've just got to bite the bullet, take the hit, and revamp it all. If they want to compete, they're going to have to completely do something off the charts different. 
It's so weird because like when it comes to motors, I'm not the most well-versed person. I've taken three motors apart and have never put one back together. I understand how they work and all that kind of stuff. However, with that said, what we do know is that in talking to people that build motors, they still say the same things that they've said for the, you know, almost 30 years I've been in racing, right? They talk about compression. They talk about cam timing. They talk about taking this out, add this, you know, piston sizes, all this kind of stuff. So there's nothing really revolutionary. And honestly, Jason, I think that especially with AI now, how can you not plug in some information to AI and have it spit out some ideas for you in terms of, okay, let's, let's design this port to get more power and this and that. Obviously, Ducati continues to move forward. BMW has some secret sauce because their bikes are ridiculously fast. But if you look at it, Jay, they're, they're, let's look at the M1000RR, for example. Okay, that bike is five mile an hour faster now than it was last year on the back of aerodynamics. Mm-hmm. Not on the back of engine performance. Right. So, you, you know, you talk to Stamboli and Stamboli will tell you that, you know, generally there's more horsepower to be made than there is traction to be had. So it's a balance using electronics and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of MotoGP and these motors pushing 300 horsepower, I don't really, I, I don't, I don't see any, any massive innovations. And that's the thing, Jay, like you were talking about, maybe what Quadraro was expecting to feel was a 10 horsepower jump, you know, was, was expecting right. to feel yeah. the lunge when they know they've been working on this motor now for a year, nine months, whatever it's been, two years, who knows? And they're like, yeah, we got a little percentage here, a little percentage there. This thing's going to be better. Yep. But Quattararo is expecting Ducati, you know, slam you back of the saddle type acceleration. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 rough. And the situation with Mark is very interesting because Mark has said he knows what he's going to do, but he doesn't know what he's going to do. So he, Mark Marquez, has said that in between the Indian round and the Japanese round, which is Motegi, right? That yeah, he's going to race India next week, right? Yeah, yeah. Next so week. basically, between those two rounds, he's going to sit down and make the decision. He's got three okay. options on the table. All right. I don't know the the you know the conventional would say obviously you stay at HRC. The second bit is you're going to Grassini, which by the way, Domicelli, the CEO of of Ducati, has finally come out and said yes, we're interested in him. Where Paolo Chabotti has been saying, eh, we're good, we're good. So it's, and the reason why it's important is because there's a lot of reasons why it's important. Number one is where's everybody else going to land, right? Marquez is the linchpin now for pretty much everything. If you don't have a contract, the second bit is, is how's the legend going to continue? There are some people that I talk to at Coda that are convinced that Marquez has lost it, mm-hmm. that, Come that on. the, evol- the and Jason, this goes to my argument as why Valentino Rossi is the best rider of all time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Somebody said to me yesterday, the evolution of motorcycles and the fact that Marquez was hurt for a few years and now can't get a bike to work. And he's so front end dependent on the bike and how he makes his speed that it's passed him by. So yeah, you're the expert. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's, it's bullshit. Like the guy, if he has, he has made a decision though, that he's not going to keep tossing himself down the road. And so that is just as big of a tell to me that of anything else. Like if he stays, I'll be shocked because he's now riding around and not going to crash, which means I want to stay healthy because next year I might be doing something else. 
You know what I mean? Mm, so yes. for me, by not seeing him crash three times a week anymore, weekend anymore, and just kind of saying, well, hey, this is what I've got. This is, I have tried my best to do everything I can. And the other thing that makes me wonder about him leaving is we have not heard one other name that could potentially go to Grassini. Have you heard one other person? Not and one. they don't even talk about DiGiantonio leaving. It's like DiGiantonio is just sitting there waiting for the news that Mark Marquez is leaving. And where does DiGiantonio go? Now, everybody's penciled Morbidellian at Pramac, and we have not heard a single person. Like, why are we not talking about Morbidelli going to Grassini? Well, mm-hmm. he's going to Pramac. He's taking Zarco's spot, apparently. So, um, and when you look at this thing with Marquez, you know, they said, I read somewhere where it's like a $30 million buyout to get him out of that Repsol deal. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that over the weekend. Yeah. And he's worth $100 plus million. Now, the other thing is you cannot tell me he won't make that $30 million back really totally easy. And, and people will go, well, you know, it's $30 million gone. Yeah, but what if he takes Repsol? What if he takes Australia Galatia? What if he has Red Bull? He's got, he's got enough avenues to make that money back. And even if he makes half of it, back and but gets on a winning package that he can go on and win he doesn't want to waste any more years of his life trying to develop this honda and right now the honda is a two or three year project there's nothing that they are going to do in the next six months that's going to make the honda that much better that it can go out and beat all these other bikes so if you're him and you've been around as long as he has and done all the things that he has done and you think well you know what it's it's time i gotta go do something else and Rossi did it. Rossi left Honda because he didn't think Honda respected what he did. So he left and went and won on a Yamaha right away. So it's it's the thing you got to look at is this guy now realizes he's probably got if he's if he's healthy and if he's motivated, he's got three good solid years left probably before he just gets the burnout and doesn't want to do it anymore. The Ducati thing, racing with your brother in the same garage and all that kind of stuff, and to be able to compile sponsors together for the Marquez brothers. Are you kidding? It's, it's hmm. to me, it's not going to be hard Slam for Spanish. Dunk. It's not going to be hard for Spanish companies to jump on board. That is it. Not, not at all. So what's going to be, what's going to be hard is Ducati's <clears throat> commitment to Grassini. So what Domicelli said, Jason, about that deal was he was mm-hmm. like, well, Grassini's a satellite team and they're not, they don't have direct factory involvement. Like on the Pramac side, Ducati has influence on who, who rides there. But mm-hmm. on the Grassini side, they're saying that's up to Grassini. Yep. Well, that's horseshit. That's yeah. If you're if you're going to hire Mark Marquez, there's no shot that he is not that he's going to jump on a 2022 or a 2023 bike. Right. Right. Ducati will make every effort to make sure that he has got. If he's not the third in line, he'd be the second in line for the part. Right. He, you know what I mean? Like he would go Pecco to Mark if mm-hmm. they even did that to Bastianini. And, and you know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Yeah. And look, there's one other aspect to this that I thought about when I was on the the plane the other night. You don't think that Mark Marquez has had a quick little peek over and seen that Danny Pedrosa is running top five in these races on a KTM? That was his teammate that he smoked every weekend. Come on. Like, it's, mm. it's one of those things where Marquez, if he leaves, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, he's got all the money. He's got all the championships. 
Now he can go ride with his brother on a team. They can compile sponsors together. If he stays, I don't even know what the upside is for him to stay at Honda at this point. What is the upside? Because I can't I think of any. Loyalty? Loyalty? Is, loyalty, maybe? <laughs> but, buy me a Coke. There's but no way, loyalty dude. means loyalty is he's been loyal. Like he has. He's been with them forever. He's got them nine championships with Repsol colors on all of the bikes that he won the championships on. So you, you, you know, from Moto, from when he was in, um, Moto three all the way through. So you, you sit there and you think it's, it is literally, I think it is definitely time for, for a new movie to start, you know, got to start a new show. Okay. So this leads into my next story, but we're going to, I'm just going to lump it in and we're going to keep this, this topic going real quick. So Can some I, dope asked Danny Pedroza if he would return to racing because he was so strong on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And Danny's, and we'll talk about the results for Pedroza, but his response was KTM already has more riders than motorcycles. Got so it. your thoughts on such a, on a faded question is what I was going to ask you. But so l- let's just say that Marquez is looking over there. I think that KTM is just, they're stuck in a corner with more riders than they have. I think the one thing we're not looking at is, do you think Mark Marquez thinks he's, better or equal to or less than Aleish or Maverick Vinales? I mean, the coup that no one's talking about is if Aprilia decided to put him on a bike. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure that they, even if he went to the satellite team, I know Aprilia could guarantee him probably factory level equipment if it's within the rules to do that. So that's what I'm saying. Like nobody's really, Mark says he's got three options. I mean, he's got he's got four options as far as I'm concerned, which is retire. I think he's got any option. I honestly think that. Yeah. Look, but because I mean, anything, KTM anywhere he top. decides, anywhere he decides to go, he's bringing like not indirectly. He's getting paid out the. He's going to be getting paid huge, but he's also going to be bringing money because anybody that goes there, it's 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 kind of the Michael Jordan effect. You know, when we did the, when, yeah, he, when the he teams, himself is not going to bring money, but what you're correct, saying, is, everybody wants to be involved go, in it. Hey, everybody, everybody. Marquez, who oh. wants to sponsor the team? Yeah. Everybody yeah. wanted to be involved with our team when, when Jordan got to the paddock and it was Dude, Jordan Dick, racing. Dick Fickelstein in Iowa, who's listening it, to this podcast would want to yeah, sponsor that team. That's exactly right. So, so, and the Danny Sorry, Pedrosa Dave. question, the Danny Pedrosa question is 1 million percent valid. I said to you during the middle of that race, I'm like, first off, this guy's making everybody else look, look silly. I mean, Look, he's 37, but this also goes to my point of saying these bikes, even though they're the top of the top and they're the best of the best, the bikes themselves, they're not as hard to ride as they were back in the day. You could not take, if these were 500 Grand Prix bikes, let's just say, and Danny Pedrosa raced those entire, let's just say he raced those his entire life. You could not take a 500 Grand Prix bike and take three years off of racing, even if you were testing a little bit and still be at the sharp end because they would bite you. These bikes nowadays have become relatively in the in the term I'm using and the way I'm using it. They've become that much easier to ride because you trust the electronics. All these guys have the ability to brake harder. All these guys have the ability to lean the bikes. They all have that same ability. So now it's now it depends on your electronics packages and and trust. And Danny Pedrosa still tests a lot, um, but. I'm sitting there watching that race and I'm looking at Danny Pedrosa inside the top four and Jack Miller's back there in 15th. You've got to think that KTM has got to be looking at that and going, Hmm, this isn't a great look for our factory rider. That's that we've signed. I'm, right, I'm just right, saying, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to counterpoint that because I think there's a couple things. Number one, Danny Pedrosa becomes the second oldest rider to finish in the top four 
in a Grand Prix race behind Valentino Rossi. Okay? Mm-hmm. When you're talking about doing a 22-tour grind mm-hmm. in 44 races, there's no shot that Danny Pedroza wants to. That's where the question oh. to me is is ridiculous. Okay, I'm not saying that he doesn't have the speed to do it. Obviously, he does. But he's t- he's picking these wild card rounds at places that they test often yeah, and of places course. that he that he likes, right? Of course. And so so I, that's where I'm saying, like, look, the guy's already retired. Just because you show up and go well in a race doesn't mean Pedroza's like, oh my god, I still have so, it. Wants to ho- throw his hat back in the ring. I no. get it, but you got to remember, yeah. you got to remember, dude. Rossi went till he was forty. He still had the desire to do it, but he just didn't have the bike underneath him and and whatever else it is. I mean, he wasn't beating other guys on Yamahas at that point. The way the way Rossi's story ended was actually rather sad, right? Where I feel like like go back to the Marquez thing. Marquez doesn't want to end his champ his his career being the guy crashing three times a weekend on a bike that's not competitive, anyways. So why wouldn't why I I I don't understand why he wouldn't make the jump if it's there. Why he wouldn't. Like, to me, it makes sense. For the Pedrosa side of things, I'm saying that that let's say he was motivated to come back. Let's say he wanted to do the 20 race grind. Let's blah, 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 blah. I I can honestly tell you that I don't know for a fact if someone said, Jay, you can choose this guy or you can choose Pedrosa. Pedrosa makes a lot of good arguments for me. And, and it was amazing what he did, but it also, what does it say about, you know, the guys he's racing against? That's the thing I got. I mean, I mean, great. I'm telling you right now, if, if somebody like a Pedrosa, um, it'd be, it would be like, it would be like Doug Chandler or Maladin or Miguel coming back and all of a sudden running in the top three in Moto America, you'd sit there and scratch your head a little bit and go, these guys haven't been around forever. And Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a bad example because that's a lot longer ago, but I'm saying that no, no, there no, has no. to I, be I a point. Well, Peg, if, I mean, Pegram comes back and last year and finished eighth or something, didn't he? He 100% at Road America. I mean, that guy came back and and wasn't that far off the pace. So it's – but again, bikes are easier to ride. They definitely, definitely, definitely are, except if you're on a MotoGP Honda right now or a MotoGP <laughs> Yamaha right now. Yeah. The, biggest difference between, the biggest difference between Quattararo and Marquez is that Quattararo – I think, I think the Yamaha is still easier to ride than the Honda, and I think that he's a lot more into the self-preserve mode than Marquez. Marquez was has always been the guy that's on the edge. You know, you pull up a YouTube and you put Mark Marquez in, you're going to see fifty thousand saves. Where you're not going to get that with Quadraro. He's going to ride the bike to its maximum, and and he's not going to keep crashing it to. To, to make it better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. The hardest thing about a MotoGP bike, I think, Jason, is all the <clears> stuff <throat> you have to do now on the bike, meaning yeah. the the timing of the squatting device coming out of the corner, the extra buttons and those types of things. And I think that riders that have evolved into it, and you've you got to think that Pedroza has because he's yeah. been a test rider so long, so he's testing all that stuff as well, that taking someone who doesn't have that skill set, it's not riding the bike so much. It's not even the knowledge of the electronics. It's how do I activate this launch device and how do I use the squatting device each corner and how do I deal with the feeling of arrow, you know, on a bike that maybe hasn't had it. And so, but anyway, yeah, it's, I just thought, you know, I know it's a question you're going to ask Pedroza because it's just low hanging fruit. Oh yeah. I think, yeah, that I there's think so that's much, all it was though. 
Yeah, and I think there's so much tied to that that doesn't make any sense on why. I would have never asked him that question because I just I first of all, I know KTM, you know, he just signs a contract to extend his his deal as a test rider, which also means he gets wild cards in there. And mm-hmm. it, it seems very content. He's got to a go out pretty good a job, few. right? He's got a yeah. pretty good job. But Jay, if you look at the way he raced in the sprint race and you know what? All right, let's just move on and let's, let's go. Cuz I got him I I got it all pulled up here right in front of me right now. Okay. Let's talk about MotoGP at uh, Mazzano this last weekend. It also looked a little steamy there, pretty warm. And really, Greg, this was the weekend that Jorge Martin really needed to do something and Bedzecki both. And they both were able to jam their way in between uh, getting ahead of Bagnaya. Because, I mean, for the championship, that's what needed to happen. I thought it was really funny last week if you saw Jorge Martin had come out with some comments about Bedzecki's not the guy that can run for the championship. He's not consistent enough crashes too much. He's not really a rival to Bagnaya. And Martin basically said, I'm the guy he's going to have to beat. I'm the guy that's going to be the rival. Man, Greg, he went out. And in the first race of the weekend, the sprint race, <clears throat> excuse me, on Saturday, uh, Martin goes out and wins by 1.4 seconds over Bedzecki. Bagnaya ends up uh, third in that race. Danny Pedrosa fourth. He was only 4.7 back. And I think the only way this weekend could have been sweeter, G-Dub, is if if Pedrosa could have got a podium, it would have been very, very cool. Mm-hmm. He beats he beats Bender, who got a horrendous start and fought through the field. In the last sort of two laps of that race, I was waiting for Bender to uh, to do something to get past Danny. I uh, wasn't able to. Vinales, Marini, Aleish, <clears throat> Aspargo, Alex, and Mark Marquez finished pretty close to each other back there, running in ninth and tenth. I mean, when you watch the sprint race, we watched it Saturday morning together in the booth. And um, you could just kind of tell Martin is, I think, um, on his day. It, it's funny because he talked about Bedzecki crashing a lot. I've seen Martin on his head a lot this year, too, um, at the beginning. A lot of points were thrown away at the beginning of the year, if you remember. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, it was pretty. he was pretty dominant in the sprint race if you watched it. Yeah, and I, and I think you and I kind of looked at each other and both made the comment like, well, that's some boring MotoGP racing this weekend. Yeah. And, and it was, but you know, you have Bagnaya who is suffering from you know some severe pain. Well, yeah, yeah, he was he was no. What was the words? It, um, it was extremely excruciating, excruciating yeah. pain. Yeah, he's in excruciating a, pain running a MotoGP bike around in third. Excruciating. Bang, Bedzecki's banged up. Elias yeah. banged up. All that kind of stuff. So I don't really take much away from this. When I think the point that you made is the point. When Jorge Martin is on, he is just on, man. He's yep. on. And he doesn't seem to suffer at the speeds he's able to, to to go. He doesn't seem to suffer as much tire loss as some of the other riders. When he comes in, he'll tell you, yeah, everything was gone. But yeah. it's, it's almost like he puts it down well enough where when everybody else's tires go, he's able to maintain that lead. So he never really appears. If he's out front, he's on, and he's got a good lead. He never really appears vulnerable where some of the other riders do, even when they're leading. With with Jorge Martin, he's working his way into me saying, "Oh, if he's out front, this race is over." Because right. he's not making mistakes out front like Pecco's done in the past, right? Like Bedzecki's done in the past. He's very, very solid. So all that stuff is good. I was a little surprised. I would say probably, you know, with the performance of the Aprilias, you know, coming mm. off of Catalonia, I thought they were going to be stronger. Right. You know, Leish had a had a pretty you know off weekend. Vinales had a 
an okay weekend, but nothing spectacular. Well, like, like, look, when you say about Vinales, if this is a bad weekend for him, that's actually not a bad weekend because we've seen him 12th, 14th, 15th, you know? So it's yeah, like, I'm not saying, no, I said Vinales yeah, I agree had with kind you. of a, I agree. he had a solid, he had a solid weekend, right? Like, it, you know, was, he was okay. He was yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing I look at here again, and the worst part about this for me is I absolutely love the guy and I've heard nothing but just tremendous, tremendous things about him. But Jack Miller's seats got to be looked at because KTM has more riders than they have bikes. Acosta's coming in. I, I, I think we heard, or we've, we've known that, you know, basically KTM, I think offered Miller double the money to, to ride 10 races next year and take more of a testing role. If that is true, if that is true, then that is on the table. And you look at the people that beat Jack this weekend. I mean, he has Mark Marquez on a Honda up ahead of him. Raul Fernandez, who's done nothing, had a really good weekend this weekend. Um, Quadraro beats him. And his teammates were 13 seconds up the road in in a sprint race. So you sit there and you go, hmm. So when we get to the main race on Sunday, it was the exact same podium. Martin wins by 1.3 seconds over Bedzecki. And man, to be honest, you and I sat there and with like 15 laps to go, we were like, I felt like we'd already done 40 laps and the racing was a little bit boring in that sense. Um, there wasn't a lot of going on. I think rooting for Pedrosa there was good, but Zeki second, Bagnaya third again, and he was pushed all the way to the line by Pedrosa who finished fourth. Your boy Vinales did have a pretty good weekend, didn't he, Greg? He ends up sixth and fifth. Oliveira ended up, my, yeah. My, 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 all of a sudden, he's my boy. Okay. Well, I know you love him. So, Vinales uh, was fifth. Oliveira, Mark Marquez ends up seventh um, over Raul Fernandez, uh, Marini, and Zarco. Um, Alex Marquez, kind of a shit weekend, too. I mean, he finished like, I think he finished ninth and 11th. Um, so, he finished a little bit further back. Marini also. Alation, this race finishes 12th. Brad Binder, we saw him tip off. He ends up 14th. Um, Joan Mir didn't finish again, and he finished dead last. How, how do you think Mir's feeling right now? That guy has got to be on an island. Oh, my God. On an island. He's got Marquez he had, he selling. Said, he's, he's leaving. I mean, poor guy. He, but Mir said he's committed to it. So, you know, if, if you he's get got that no, mindset, He's got no choice, though. No, no, I know that. I know that. He's much better rider than than is what's being displayed right now. He's a world champion, obviously. So, yeah, it that poor guy. He's yeah. He's in the blender right now, for sure. It's just it's a it's a sad deal. I mean, I guess GW when you start talking about MotoGP right now, and you know you look at it, it is that the I think the biggest concern is you take Mark Marquez off a of Honda and you put him on a Ducati. I mean, if we're one we're one I think tremendous rider away from this just being a Ducati show uh, because if if let's say for argument's sake Marquez goes and then Quadraro goes next year. Um, you got all these guys on, I, I don't know where Honda and Yamaha are going to be after that is what I'm trying to say. All the, all, yeah, no, it, all the best riders I, are on the best bikes right now. We still have a series where there are a couple of tracks where the Ducati's not good. Catalonia is one of them, right? As you saw one, two for a Brilla. but if you put Mark Marquez on there and you have Peco on there and all the other talent they have, I agree with you. This becomes an all Ducati affair makes the series very boring in a series that's already fading. And, and that's you taken know. nothing away from Aprilia and KTM, by the way. To be fair, Marquez was only 13 and a half seconds back, but that's a Marquez that's riding around at 80%, not wanting to crash, you know? Yeah. That's I what mean, that like, is. If, if, <laughs> if you give Mark Marquez a motorcycle that can take what he wants to do to the front end of that bike and he'll still have traction at the end of each corner, the, the dude's a weapon. That's, he mm-hmm. still is. 
There's there's nothing. Yeah. He hasn't lost anything. And I think for all the <laughs> all the injuries he's been through and coming back and riding a bike that isn't competitive like the Honda is, I think the motivation level is going to be at a whole nother level. You know, knowing that he's older, knowing that he's struggled through everything, and now he's got a second shot at it on a bike that wins like the majority of of the time. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's going to be good. So I didn't really learn anything from this race. It was a little bit slow, um, you know, other than like Miguel Oliveras starting to come on form as well, which which I like. I like that kid, and yeah. I think he's got a lot of potential, so it's going to be interesting. I love that guy. Yeah. I Moving on to Moto2, Jay. Yes, do it. Your boy, Pedro Acosta, checked out 6.3 Ovietti and Lopez Arbolino. Ayogura, who's, who's kind of back. He's not back, back 100%. But his teammate Chantra, who's who threw a couple down, but our boy Joe Roberts, man, he comes in in eighth place. Yeah, and he was he was kind of running up there, you know, most of the weekend up front. SDK ends up twentieth on a forward on the forward team. Mm-hmm. So his uh, there's speculation he's coming back to the states. There's speculation he's going to go to the forward team next year. So he ends up back in MotoGP in Moto2 paddock after parting ways with the American Racing team. Um. You know, other than right now, Pedro Acosta seems to be in a groove. No one's really given him a challenge. He's marching his way towards his championship. What did you get out of Moto2? Uh, well, I mean, Marquez just was, I mean, Marquez, Acosta was just too good, wasn't he? I mean, he he uh, he controlled the race from the front. Vietti was pushing him hard, and then you saw in the replays a couple big front-end slides from Vietti. <clears throat> so for him... I think he had to just kind of settle for where he was because Acosta was just setting the pace at the front and proving again that I think that the the hype is real about the kid. Obviously, he's he's extremely talented. It was interesting to see Jake Dixon not have that great of a weekend. He ended up 12th, 20, almost 23 seconds back. So that was a little bit of a shocker for me. You see, you see Matteo Pacini's back. He does about two races a year. I think he does Mugello and he does Mazzano. He ends up in the top 10. So... Um, yeah, I think overall it was a good weekend. I really like this. Uh, I think it's Manuel Gonzalez who ended up seventh. It's the kid that was in World Supersport, and he's done a really nice job in the transition over to Moto Two, and he's really given that that uh, you know the Yamaha VR46 team um, a reason to smile every weekend. But I could see that kid being picked up to go to one of these other teams eventually. So um, we'll see. Did did Kinnett fall off? He did, didn't he? Kinnett tipped over, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad. So, um, yeah, and then, Greg, I didn't get to watch Moto3. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched some highlights of Moto3. What do you think? Well, yeah, I guess it was four guys covered covered by a blanket. Again, Alonzo wins over Jami Masia, Anchu, and Munoz. Um, I'm, I'm just looking kind of through the order here. It looks like the top 10 were covered by 8.3, which is – a bigger spread than we would normally see, I think. Uh, it looks like only one Mizano, non-finisher. Mizano is a little bit more technical, I think, it than is. people really think it is. Oh, it is. And yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. It, it, it's not the, the big, long tracks that promote super, super tight racing, and I think that that was, that was definitely part of it. Yeah. But, yeah, it was another banger of a race in Moto3. And I, I don't even know. I'm trying to – this new website, dude. Do you have the standings? Oh, there they I, are. I see it. Oh, yeah. You can get, oh, you I got them? The, I see the tab. Yeah. yeah. So in, in MotoGP standings, it's 283 for Bagnaya to 247 for Jorge Martin. Mm-hmm. So he's within 40 points now within it. On the Moto2 yeah. side, Acosta's got 211 to 177 over Arbolino, 146 to Jake Dixon. On the Moto3 side, it's Danny Halgado, 
161 to Sasaki, 157. Wow. This is where it's so crazy, right? Sasaki, where'd Sasaki end up finishing? So Fight you know, 161 or something. Exa- exactly. Yeah. And this is what this is why Moto 3 is exciting too. 161 to 157. So you have a four point spread there. Masia is at 149. Then Asanju is at 144. Alonzo is at 140. Ortola is at 132. So Moto 3, if you like actually like racing, that's the spot to be in, in my opinion, because who knows what's going to happen in that championship. That's like our mission king of the baggers. You just you don't you don't know whatever it, it changes you know from one time to another mm-hmm. you know yeah anyway yeah, no. so where do they race next uh, they go to India they're off to India next right. weekend so they go India and then Japan and we'll see what this whole Marquez thing's all about but Greg you and I were in Coda on the weekend and no 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 I, no 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 we're gonna talk fantasy okay oh we're gonna talk oh yeah I'm okay with you talking about fantasy this week do it yeah I know you are I'm okay with so, it so I dude. There's been a big shakeup at the front of our at the front of our deal, though. Have you seen that? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's, t- let's talk about our league. So we're up to 384 players. First prize gets an Arai helmet, brand new Arai helmet, and you get a set of Dunlop Q5s. Second place gets a set of Dunlop Q5s for their favorite motorcycle. Third place gets Q5s's, the street mm. version. And in our league, which is the Greg's with a apostrophe s garage pod with Jason Pridmore, Kingfisher leading the way. With 1,912 and a half points, Moto Ranch 46 in second, Saplantis in third, and Red Spade Racing in fourth place over AMA Someday 91. Hmm. Good boy TB Simmons has slipped. Troy. What happened to old Troy? Troy's Mm. back to eighth and he's used two of his turbos. So, hmm. Mm. Setting my sights on Troy now. I'm, I'm in the draft. And I'm hoping JP43 sponsor me continues to jump up because I mean it's always good to see the JP43 brand, you know, going forward. You know what I mean? Well, by the way, King Fisher's team is insane. Jorge Martin, Maverick Vinales, Bagnaya, Bedzecki, Ducati as the constructor, and uh, and Aprilia as the team. Mm. Yeah. The value of that team is twenty is twenty two point four million. <sighs> 20.4 Mo- Motor Ranch 46 oh, wow. Motor Ranch 46 has Mooney VR 46 has Bagnaya Mar- Martin Bedzecki Vinales Ducati yeah. and VR and Mooney VR 46 wow and by the way Luca Marini was the fastest in the test on Monday both sessions so yeah that's something uh, we failed to say he's almost so J- JP sponsor me in on. 11th place now here's the thing I slipped slipped to 193rd. Ooh, you're not that far in front. I'm only 10 nope. spots back. <sighs> now, the biggest mistake back. that I, I mean, made. Draft biggest, yeah, the biggest mistake I made was on Friday, I moved Pecco because he looked like trash on Friday, and I thought maybe the injuries. I moved him to silver and Vinales to gold. So had I not done that, I would have been what? What's 18 times two, Jason? 36? Mm-hmm. I would have had 37 points for bag. 39 points for Bedzecki and 12 and uh, yeah, 12 and a half points for Maverick or, or 11 mm. and a half points in mm-hmm. silver where Marini got me seven and a half, but I'm stuck. I mean, what- you are a little bit stuck. I'm a little bit stuck too. Um, I, my team's worth 20.4 million and I don't have a bad team. I don't have a horrendous team, mm. uh, but I would love to do a little bit of jostling and moving. So we'll see what happens when the, when the new things come out. The thing I always look at every weekend is who's first that hasn't used any turbos. And 
Hey Mike F in 14th right now. Yeah. We've only had, we yeah. only got two people. There's only two people in the top 20 that haven't used their turbos. Hey Mike F hasn't used any and Caroline and hasn't used any. She's 20. Yeah. She hasn't yeah. used any. So those are the two that right now you got to think, you know, when you look at the top, Kingfishers, the Plantis has used all three. Kingfishers used two. Um, Troy's used to home. I mean, so yeah, anyways, it's a blast. Greg and I were, uh, were, um, talking about, um, you know, all the different, we, I love talking about all the different names, G-Dub, cause I swear I still go down this thing and I still see <laughs> names it's good. Of, good. of stuff that just, yeah, some of it's really good. Um, let's get Dakota. Can we get Dakota? Yeah, let's I got get Dakota. Let's up. talk about it. Rat- yeah. Rattling no, I'll, I'll, give me a second. It was a hot one in Coda. Greg, I had a lot of fans. There was a lot of fans in the paddock, and I thought it was cool that uh, there was an ordinance made to where try to get people sheltered as far as the heat goes, and they opened up the media center. So there was a lot of fans that got to come inside the air conditioning and watch. I had quite a few of them talk to me about the podcast and how, you know, if you come up to me or Greg over the weekend, we always say, say hi. People, people were. I loved it, um, but let's just – can we just address one thing about Coda real fast? Can we address the fact that people are now bringing you stuffed donuts? <laughs> donuts. So we saw a kid with a basically a donut that's like a stuffed animal, but it was, you know – Probably and, 14 inches across or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It was cool. It was great, and it was basically – it said JP forty three approved, and it what was it? Greg's what did it say on there for? It said bait, Greg's bait for G Dub or something. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. So, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. That was good. It it, it was funny. So I love Steve it. Green. Who Steve Green, who's one of our ENG shooters, he shot it immediately. Yeah. Live Plus put it up there, and yeah. there was some confusion because I, you know, I think everybody listening to this podcast would be surprised that our TV crew, by and large doesn't listen to our podcast. So they don't understand the whole donut situation over the last couple of years. So some people thought it was a mean thing. The reality was we have one guy who works for a stray who ran out, grabbed the kid, his dad and his uncle. They came into the booth and Jason, you were so cool. You put the headset on him, turned the lights on. We got to take a picture with him. Uh, I got to take a picture with him and we got to meet, meet the whole family and had a ton of fun. Yeah, it was and great. It, it's, it was funny. It was very creative. I mean, let's, let, let, let's not, Okay, let's not mistake the fact that would I have rather seen a dozen donuts that I could ingest? Yeah. Yes. I, of okay. course you would have. Then a stuffed. And the funny thing was that was was that Friday, Jay, or Saturday? I it was. I think, I think it was, was Saturday. I think it was Saturday, Saturday. morning because we were there to do our stand ups. He we wanted to give it to me, and I said, "Do you want to hold on to it in case you get on TV again, and then you can come find me on Sunday?" And so yeah. he said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll keep it." So I was actually kind of happy for him that he was able to keep it. Um, you should have signed it though. That's what should have happened. Ah, no, it was great. I, you know, it's, it was cool. Like you said, Greg, we brought him in, put the headset on him, had him stand there next to you. Like he was getting ready to go on air. It was, it was cool. It, I, I oh, by the it. way, I did the, I did the VIP experience. We're talking mm-hmm. about Moto America, uh, Sunday morning. And they had two hats to give away that I was supposed to sign, which I did, which I'm sorry, decreased the value of the hat. But Ron Heben was like, come up with two trivia questions. And I asked this one trivia question, hoping it would get back to you. But apparently it didn't get back to you. It did not and get I, back to me. I said, oh, my, I can't believe I'm telling you this. Oh, I said, this could, who, see, this who, is the things I suffer through, people. Who can guess 
how many top 10 finishes I've had in AMA racing. Oh my God. And the that first so thing, painful. the first thing a fan yells out is what? Zero. Zero. That has to be the answer. Even though I know it's not, I know it's one, but I know, and I know you're just hanging on to that. There was two, two. Huh. Yeah, I had one at, I had the, the one at Loudon and one at Pikes Peak. Man, I almost had three, the one where you and Miguel were on the trailer and, which, which I did tell that story. I was in the middle of that race for the top 10. And then I, like with two laps to go, I looked down and saw my temperature light flashing. And I was like, uh-oh, and rolled out of it and finished 11th. And I, I'm still bummed about that. I should have just, because that light was probably flashing. <laughs> you could have rewrote two. history, G-Dub. You could have rewrote history, three top 10s. <laughs> I said three instead of two. It really changed my life. Changed everything. Anyway, anyway. All right, getting out of the racing medallion superbike. Uh, Jake Gagne ends up winning in race number one over Richie Escalante and JD Beach. You are not yep. hearing that. I will say this, like folks, the, the heat took a toll, especially on, especially on the superbike front. It takes a toll on motors. It's hard to cool super, super bikes down. And so there were a few issues with some riders there. Of course, people getting tired and greasy tires, but Jake Gagne ends up two and a half seconds over Escalante. It was more like five. And I think Jake just kind of backed her off last lap. J.D. Beach was only a tenth behind Escalante. Nonetheless, they raced for it. J- Escalante was there. Josh Heron was there, had a DNF. Uh, P.J. Jacobson, Matthew Skultz in fifth. Corey Alexander in sixth, had a good run there. Bobby Fong in seventh. Ashton Yates, Mesa in his debut on a s- proper superbike in ninth. Max Flinders in tenth. Moving on to race number two, it was Josh Heron, man, in a heads-up battle with Jake Gagne, and it looked like in one or two little spots, Gagne just couldn't, quite get the bike to turn the way Heron was getting the Ducati to turn. And of course, Heron on the back straightaway, his, his, his approach to the back straightaway and the drive from that Ducati was impressive. Heron wins his second race of the year over Gagne, PJ Jacobson on the podium for third place over Bobby Fong, Posh, Ashton Yates, Mesa in seventh, Corey Alexander in eighth, Danilo Lewis, Max Flinders, uh, JD Beach ended up DNF, um, Matthew Skultz. You still not, did you find anything out about that after the race? I did not. No, I didn't get to talk. Neither did I. That's funny because I, I well, somebody he, asked he, me, he, he, "Is he Matthew crash? okay?" Well, JD oh, and Matthew. Yeah, I think JD took oh, out Matthew. Clattered into each other That's because right. I saw I saw JD's post apologizing and this. I mean, how could you ever be mad at JD Beach? Like that's like. That's impossible, but I'm sure they weren't happy at, you know, at the time, the Westby team and Matthew, but, but it is JD. It's not like he's got any kind of reputation for that, but strange beginning for JD. Cause he fell at the start of the first one before um, Hayden Gillum's bike blew up down the back straightaway. So there was a red flag and JD goes, hopefully that's, I got all the bad out of the way. And apparently he didn't. So uh, him and Matthew got together, which was like a total shame, but I don't know, you know, G-Dub again, you kind of walk away from the weekend and did you see the piece that Moto America put up on their Instagram page? You have to go back and look at it. And it's like, it's like they're asking the writers about the, like, how is it out there? And I don't know. There's Heron and Brandon and I don't know who else it was, but they get to Gagne and he's like, I love it. It's Austin. It's hot. Like, like it's just typical Gagne. Like nothing phases me. That's just, it. it's warm. What are we going to do? Hey, what are you going to do? The, you know what I mean? the, the thing hey, is, too, do? Jay, is that I see him in the parking lot. And, you know, P1 is all the way out of the racetrack, and you got to yeah. take a tr- tram over there. And I saw him Saturday night after the race. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was probably, what, hour? And the guy was just, like, bouncing. He was just, hey, hey G-Dub. I'm like, yep. aren't you fatigued and tired at all? He's like, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit, but I'm good. 
Can't wait to go race tomorrow. All the yeah. all all our riders are pretty. I mean, every one of them are approachable. That's the best part. They're all cool guys. Every one of them are cool guys. But the difference but, is the mental approach, right, Jay? I mean, that's the yeah. Ganya just you know, gets on with it. He doesn't care. Like doesn't care. Doesn't care. And you Nothing can almost really see that like, he's he was like genuinely happy that Heron won. Like he was like, ah, I got beat. What am I going to do? I got beat. Yeah. Got Heron. Heron dropped the hammer with two laps to go. Ganya couldn't do anything with him. He's probably going. Well, I got the championship, and I'm. Tr- I've tried everything I can to to reel in Heron. Heron just put in another one of those those rides that he does, where it's oh, just like so good. It's just like so good. Like every, it just didn't look like he could miss. Um, every every apex was hit. There was just no mistakes. He was consistent with how he kept on kind of going to the inside of the dry sweep at the back straightaway, and and I mean like. Uh, everything he did like so close like it, the whole yeah. race too everything he did was great like yeah. and and uh, you look at it it's like Donnie was you know perfect on the first day you know he was like he was just he was just typical jake i mean he just did everything the way he does things and and kind of got away and you know rode amazing but like when you see heron do what heron does um, it was good. Escalante finishing second. Great weekend for the Vision Wheel M4X Star Suzuki team. They got their podium with Richie. Bummer to see him slide off the second day. He did pick it back up, although it was, you know, what was he, a lap down? Uh, 16th, PG, yeah, he didn't get yeah, to that point. But, PJ yeah. kind of had a weird weekend. He ended up like fourth in one race, third in another. Skultz, like, didn't even ride the first session. I know he had issues. Corey Alexander's whole thing to me is is wild just from the things that I know, like, it's he's got motors being put in his bike that have already been timed out and they're blowing up. And it's like, what, what is, what is going on there? It's kind of a shame to me, to be honest, to see all that. And then Ashton Yates again, rode amazing. The second day, especially he finishes eighth, the the first day G dub, and then gets in a battle with two of the other BMWs. And how often do you ever see Ashton really show any emotion? Like he came across the line and he was really excited where he finished. So he should good be. on him he for that. Be. Yeah, he's, he's, working, he's really working hard at it, and to, to get those results. And honestly, you, know, you have I like I love Steve Shibe, but that bike's old, man. It's old. It's been through a lot of riders. I mean, Gagne's <sighs> been on that bike. Heron's been on that bike. Hector Barbara's been on that bike. It's I mean, the same bike. Everybody's know? been on it. It's 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 pretty wild what they've been able to do with that bike over all these years. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, got yeah. a lot of time on it, and I guess I guess I without being negative about it. I don't understand the, I don't, I mean, what, what is Shibe doing it for? Like this, I don't know what the, the actual whole, what his whole deal is with that. I don't team. either. And he or loves he racing it, and that type of yeah, stuff, but he just doesn't have a him. ton of money. And you know, Steve's an engineer. It's not like he's a salesperson and he goes out and gets aftercare as a, as a sponsor. And that helps out a lot. And I don't know. I mean, he's given somebody else an opportunity to ride in Superbike, and I, I think that's awesome. Now, in the points, Jay, we know that Gagne won. The thing I'm going to be looking at for the last race of the year at Jersey, where we have two medallion Superbike races, is Heron is 28 points ahead of PJ Jacobson. We know that okay. Cameron Bobier, who's fourth in the points, won't be around. And Matthew Skultz is, let's see, he's 38 points back. So there's still, there's still a bit of a battle going on for second place. Richie Escalante yep. is only five behind Skultz. So we'll have to see how that pans out. I think it's going to be kind of cool. Um, in in Super Sport, again, we have two different race winners. Chavi Flores goes out there. Ty Scott gave him a fit. At the end of the day in race one, he wins by 1.1 seconds over Teague Hobbs. Torin Collins, this 18-year-old fill-in rider from Canada, comes in. Amazing and makes job. It, yeah, did a great job. He ends up 
14 seconds back over David Anthony, who showed tremendous speed, and Jake Lewis. Those three were locked together. They they finished within half a second of each other, so Collins got it. Carl Sotiz ends up in seventh. Uh, Gerardo ends up in eighth. Holt in ninth, and Nassani in tenth. Debrino on the MV 11th, uh, and in 14th was Kayla Yakov ahead of Owen Williams in her debut in the class. Race two was a different story. Ty Scott brought it to Chavi Forez, took the lead. Forez, even though he had the fastest lap of the race, just couldn't do much with him. Ends up seven tenths of a second behind Scott. Torin Collins ends up on the podium. Yeah, but After- what about that last lap for between Chavi and Tyler Scott? Yeah, what uh, I mean, uh, just ugh. Yeah, I, uh, Uncle Skip texted me yesterday and goes, Jason, I only got to watch this and this race. What other races were really good on the weekend? And I told him, I said, yeah, go watch World or go watch Super Sport Race well, 2. For anybody who America. hasn't seen it yet or doesn't care, Jay, tell us about the last lap and what happened because, you know, of course we want to turn our heads to MotoGP and laugh right now, don't we? Well, yeah. I mean, they went back and forth 10 times. And on the last lap, they were both out beyond the green and beyond the white and everything else at the end of the back straightaway. Same thing with two corners to go. And the Moto America, it's full credit. There was, thank goodness, there was no like, you know, race direction is looking at this or that. Who gives a shit? It, the racing was so good, and those guys were hammering each other on each other. And at the end, there was no hard feelings either way. It looked like both guys, you know, congratulated each other up in turn one. And it was like we didn't have to deal with – but besides that, I don't know what they were. <laughs> Motor, they, they might have even just been looking at each other inside the inside the uh, race, race direction going, um, what do we do? Like – <laughs> uh, both riders were beyond the green twice that, that race. Um, and then, I mean, look, you got the next guy behind Torin Collins is 12.2 seconds back. So even if you, even if you dock them each five seconds for both times, they were out, out, out beyond the green, <laughs> they still would have won. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, you know, it, what would have been interesting is had Torin Collins been three seconds behind them, what may or may have happened there, you know? Um, but, but that wasn't the case. I was, I was happy this weekend. I didn't, I didn't see, and I didn't have to hear about any kind of, I mean, I didn't hear of any, did you have any like race directions looking at this or looking at that or no, you know, uh, um, there was, I think, was there one thing maybe where two riders got together, but I, no, I, I don't really think of them much, but so Ty Scott and Chavi four is calling uh, David Anthony finishes fourth. Yep. Josh Hayes, who crashed in race number one. Uh, ends up in fifth. Carl Sotis, Gerardo, Nassani. Owen Williams ends up uh, in ninth place. Is that his second? That's his or best. First? Actually, first? He, yeah. It's he wrote, he wrote great. I mean, yeah. like I've seen a turn in Owen this year, finally. Like, honestly, the last two or three rounds, it's been really nice. And it's funny, you know, you see all these kids, and I've worked with so many of them, how they kind of start to mature a little bit, you know? Like, they just kind of – and and that's happening right now it, with Owen. And I mean, he's got a great little program over there uh, under the Michael Gilbert Racing Tent. So he, uh, you know, he's got his dad there. He's got great Carnes. He's great, just an absolutely great guy. And um, you know, he's got he's got the whole team over there with him. But I mean, like, we, we it, you know, he's a Junior Cup guy that we haven't really talked about much. And I know him pr- fairly well. Obviously, Kayla ended up tenth. I think in her debut, it wasn't a bad debut for her on the Tyler Cycle Racing. Zig six that has been vacated by Stefano, uh, Stefano Mesa for the year. I mean, I don't think anybody was, I wouldn't have expected her to just come in and, you know, run top five or top seven or top eight. In the end, she was 27.2 seconds back in the first race. And where was she in the second, Greg? She was, 
Well, they had a red, she was 20, had a red flag 20, in that, but she was four. In race she was two, 14. she was twenty-seven seconds back. In right. Race two, with, right. In, in a six-lap race, and in tenth place, Owen got her by a second. She wasn't the number one Kawasaki either. That was uh, Max Gerardo. Yeah, and, was the and we've seen him. Be- we've seen him before in some other class, mm-hmm. and I think Stock Thousand. Didn't we see him in Stock Thousand before, Max? Yeah, we have. But I mean, so, the thing I want to note is, look, of all the bikes to get on, the Kawasaki, in my estimation, is probably the most difficult to ride. It's not difficult to ride. I'm just saying it is the most difficult to ride. And and the majority of that has to come with, with the front end chatter. And it just shows you how good Mesa has been all year. You yep. know, when someone like Kayla gets on the thing and can only go 27 seconds behind the leader after six laps of, you know, an 11 lap race. But yep. she, she, she definitely, uh, you know, it was her first time at the racetrack, but you also have oh, to yeah. look at yep. it and say, well, Torin Collins, who's 18, who races a moto three bike, who's barely on a super sport bike. He comes in there too on a GSXR 750, which I would argue to say is probably on the front end is a little bit easier bike to ride. But he did a track day before where where I don't think Kayla came and did a track. She day. didn't. Yeah, okay. she. He, Torin so, got two. He got two days the weekend before. He was mm-hmm. in our garage with us. So yeah, he was. Uh, he was in there. I got two days, and yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for that. And it it kind of goes back to GW. We talked about it on the telecast. Coda is, I think, it's the second longest track we go to all year. Um, as far as uh, I mean, the lap times are very comparable to Road America. Very comparable. They are. So, yeah, it's a much, it's a slower average speed at Coda. Yeah, yeah, because it's and a little so, shorter yeah, track. So, but yeah, so yeah, so so you you know anybody gets a forty minute session and you're doing two minute and fifteen second laps. I mean, you do the math, how many laps they get? It's not a ton. Yeah, it's not a ton. So so we saw we saw um, in Supersport was I don't think there's anything big going on at Jersey. There's no big boom arounds, but in Stock Thousand. Stock Thousand came down crazy weekend in Stock Thousand because Ezra Bobier came into this race leading the championship. He had one race to go. He had a championship lead over his teammate and Hayden Gillum. Hayden Gillum was second in the championship coming in. And we'd heard stories that that Disrupt was going to put Jake Lewis on a Stock Thousand bike to try to get, you know, to take away some points. That meant never materialized for whatever reason, but it didn't matter anyways. Because I guess on Thursday night, Ezra, the way I was told, ate something. He went, uh, and it was as simple as a taco from what I understood. And on Friday morning, he felt so ill. He went out and did the first session barely. In fact, I'm going to pull up, see where he was in session, like practice number one. Because I think he was out there. I remember I sat out there all day Friday. Was he out there? I got yeah, and he ends up 39th. Well, oh, he didn't did he even actually do a record lap? a single lap. No. Didn't do a so lap. he didn't ride at all, apparently. So uh, I think so, he went out and in. I think I think that was the case. Well, all I know is I heard that he was super ill, like throwing up and, and just and, uh, and really, really crook. So not, not good at all. And to be able to go all the way to Austin and then not race and watch your championship just basically go away, away um, yeah. that sucks. That that is shitty, and um, but despite any of that, Hayden Gillen went out and did the job he needed to do. He went out and won both races, both times, over Travis Wyman. On the first day, Caleb finished third, and on the second day, Caleb finished fourth, which I believe moved him to second in the points. Um, so that was that was um, good good for him. But for the Orange Cat Racing Team, it's got to be a little bit bittersweet because Ezra was in the hospital Friday night or Thursday night. I think it was Friday night. He was in the hospital. He went to our race direction or our medical center and was throwing up. And they 
I bet basically they sent him to the hospital. So mm. hopefully we get to see him come back next year and, and fight for, you know, a championship that kind of slipped away from him this year, sadly. Yeah. He was so strong at the beginning of the year as were three wins and five podiums in the first five races. And he was well positioned, but Hayden Gillum had four wins and yeah, five congrats to Hayden in the last. You know? Yeah. Is great. Is that, his first, is that his first championship? Great. No, no, no. He's won super sport before. Remember the, the divided one, like the ones Rispoli won and Corey won. Hayden Gillum has one of those. Does he? I just don't remember. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I guess not. You're, That's a long time you're, ago. You're, your advanced age. Go ahead and uh, say it. L- l- <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to. By the way, let's move on to Mission King of the Baggers real quick. Please. Because yep. what a let's championship we have there. What an absolute banger of a weekend. So crazy with crashes and, and just the heat and everything else. In race number one, Kyle Wyman, he wins by 2.1, Jason. But the reality was is Kyle just spanked everybody in race yep. number one. He really did. Hayden Gillum ends up second. And then Braspoli ends up third with Travis Wyman fourth, Kyle Onsorg in fifth. And that that's a big deal because there was only three points between the top three. Yeah. When it was over, it was two points between the top two. So then we kind of got the impression, especially after warm-up, that Kyle was going to go out and do the same thing. But unfortunately for Kyle, it didn't work out that way. Raspoli ends up winning by eight Crazy seconds race. over Gillum. Onsorg. This is the thing that I'm baffled about, man. I could have sworn I saw Jeremy McWilliams come across the line first, but but they have Kyle McWilliams must have had a penalty of some sort because Did Kyle he? Onsorg ends up 13.939 seconds back from the lead. Jeremy McWilliams is 13.955. So weird, right? I know. Yeah. So anyway, Jake Lewis ends up fifth. Kyle Wyman ends up uh, ninth in ninth place with Travis in 10th. And that, I could have sworn it was eighth. But anyway, when we did the broadcast. No, I think it bottom, was ninth. You're right. No, it remember, is because the points yeah. are the same. So here's the situation. We have two races left. Hayden Gillum leads Raspoli by two over Kyle Wyman. What ended up happening, Jay, is that Travis ends up crashing out of second place? Second, yeah. And On the last lap. It totally changes the championship. It, it but it does it both for both actually. So it it really helps Kyle and it it helps Hayden Gillum. The person it didn't help with that crash, obviously, is Raspoli. In yeah, because Raspoli would have had a two point lead going in, so yeah. it was a four point difference, basically. Correct. So yeah, pretty pretty wild. I mean, like King of the Baggers. I mean, the great thing is is we still have a championship that's going all the way to the end of the season, and it is King of the Baggers. Um, yeah, and I think it's – man, I can't imagine riding one of those things around Jersey, but, you know, good luck to those guys. I hope they have fun doing it. <laughs> and this is this is going to be the – from what I understand, it's the last year of the service. We'll preview Jersey next week, so we won't get into that. And finally, let's go ahead and just talk about um, the final Super Hooligans. In the end, it was Tyler O'Hara who wins race number one over Mesa, who won on the electric bike. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the first for them. Debrino ends up in third. And then it goes Tyler O'Hare, Jeremy McWilliams, and Andy DeBrino on um, a crazy, crazy, crazy last lap. Tyler O'Hara ends up winning the championship over McWilliams and DeBrino in third, Mesa in fourth in that championship. That was the last lap for race number one, right? It was race one, wasn't it? Um, of hooligans. I'm trying. Oh, yeah, the last yeah. lap. Where I was telling you. Where I was telling you from like the white flag, what was I saying to you? Remember? 
This is going to end in tears. That's what I said. I'm like, it's going to end in tears. This is not going to be. This isn't going to end they, the way it's they looking. One, they had one corner. One corner to go. One corner. <sighs> and you got to put I mean, the blame on Jeremy. Jeremy was super gracious to Tyler at the finish, but I mean, like, look. Jeremy went in there. There's zero chance he makes that corner. He just kind of clouts into the side of Tyler and then grabs a handful in the dirty section and just sent him. And I mean, you cringe because, you know, you see Jeremy at 59 or 60 years old and it's like the guy doesn't look that, like that. He's fit. He's very, very fit. And obviously he's, he thinks very young, which I love. I love all that. But man, he bounced like it, like Boy. he bounced. And the fact that he rode the next day was amazing to me. Um, you know, especially in the day and age that we live right now, where if you hit your head. But to Jeremy's credit, he lined back up on Sunday, as you would, as you'd expect from a guy like him, kind of grizzly and been around for a while, right? Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, and Tyler O'Hara wins the championship. I don't know. That class, to me, it's weird because there's a few of the bikes that interest me, but there's not a lot of diversity in the sense of competitive machinery. Like, Indians kind of got the – that kind of class is sort of covered right now. And when you look at it, it's like, it's, it's a little bit boring. You know, I yeah, think it's, I agree. it's, it's good that those two guys are there and this whole B B main thing is, uh, I don't know. It's, it's sadly, we're, it's a sideshow. Yeah, like we're not going to talk about it. Let's move on to world Superbike. All right. Well, I'm just it's saying, just, I, I know, but I mean like it, you know, that season's over and we'll see what happens next year with the Yeah, whole see what they do with it. See if they make any yeah. changes to it. Yep. So World Superbike was at Pridmore's favorite racetrack in the world, Magni Corps, where uh-huh. uh, we don't think it rained at all. And uh they had three races. They had race number one, full length race, and Top Rack ends up beating Rinaldi and Ray. And was that the one where um where uh Bautista like the bike stalled or something right in the middle of it all? Like Going through that right-hander, I think that was the one, and he yes, ended up coming back. Yes, that is correct. That he ended up coming back, right. but so Raz Gatliaglu looks, and Garrett Gerloff, by the way, was pole his first pole in World Superbike. Pretty cool, uh, really, really cool. And he ended up in fourth. He had a good launch, and he was the first independent rider as well. So we got to spend some time uh, in the box ahead of Petrucci. Locatelli was sixth. Redding, Lowe's, Odal, Bautista ended up in tenth in front of Agurda Vierge. Uh, Baz, Lakawona, and Garner. In the Super Pole race, it was Razgat Lioglu over Bautista by nine-tenths of a second. And boy, Toprak can just put that thing anywhere. Johnny Ray ends up in third over Locatelli, Petrucci, Agurda on back. Gerloff ended up DNF. And in the... The DNF, he got race, taken out. He got, he got cleaned out, out yeah, by Redding. He got cleaned out. And yeah. then Bautista took out his teammate, and there was zero. Did you see anything like this? Because Paul yeah, Denning even... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Denning yeah. even put a a claim in of like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Redding Why takes out Gerloff. Yeah. Redding takes out Gerloff. And then, I mean, look, Yamaha is still fighting for this championship. They're still thinking that they have a chance and they're at the track where they're at a track where their guy's really good. So they put in a protest or at least went and asked the race direction. Like what would be the reason for you not giving Batista a long lap when he clearly just cleaned out his teammate? Did you see the front of Batista's bike, the pictures yeah. of it? Yeah, I did. It's all smashed to bits. Smashed in. And, and, a, and race direction just kind of went, eh, we don't, we don't care. It's okay. Like, I don't know, man. It, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Where's well, the consistency just, it, there? It, it, it leaves its interpretation for sketchiness. You know what I mean? And Couldn't agree with you more. It's, that's a really great way of putting it too. Yeah. If you're, yeah. if you're, if you're consistent, you know, whatever. So in race two, um, yeah, results from race number two, it was Bautista who wins over Ray, Razgat, Petrucci in fourth, Ronaldi, Locatelli. Sini, Baz, Gerloff, 
Uh, oh, where did so Gurloff finish? I thought he finished fifth in the second one. Also, where is it, where where was he? Oh, in wait this a second, one? Jay. Nope that sorry that was a result. That's my bad. I, I sorry keep forgetting that was during the red flag. So or, or that was the red flag. Ah, uh, so yes. Let me. So it, yeah, no, it is race two restarted. Interesting, because then I thought Gurloff finished fifth in both, but maybe I'm wrong. Hold on a second. That's weird. I don't have it up, so I'm letting I'm letting you. No, I'm letting that's you. Right. Yeah, they. I, I, they yeah, put so, results up from like the, the red flag, the race, which is weird, yeah. right? So here, let me pull up the results for the restart. So yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So on the restart, it was Bautista over Razgatlioglu, Ray Locatelli, Garrett was P5, Bassani, Petrucci, Gardner, Vierge. So that was it. Yeah. And what's funny about you doing that is I'm trying to find race two results and I'm just like you. I, it pulled up the other one. So yeah, it's it's goofy. Yeah, so like, look, why why would you, you post to... something about before a red flag? I don't know. Like it doesn't. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because the red flag was early, right? Wasn't it early? Correct. Pretty early. Yeah. Yeah, they only uh, get yeah. four laps, then a red flag, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I didn't get to watch that race, so to be fair, I I don't really know. Yeah, I didn't get to watch it either. I just saw the results. I mean, we watched a couple of the other races. It was a lot of racing to get after this weekend. Yeah. But the the championship overall is Bautista's got 467, Toprak's got 410. The next third is Johnny Ray at 290. So it's definitely wow. a, it's it's a two horse race. 57 for Bautista. If you really look at how many races they have in a weekend and how many points and it's not a ton. I mean a couple of miscues from Bautista and you're absolutely right Toprak is right there. Yeah, but they're going out of the Ducati stomping grounds. I mean, they, there's nobody that's yeah, going to well, run with Batista at, at Aragon. He's going to win that by 10 seconds. I feel you. I feel you, but, you know, you're full <laughs> of shit. It, it, there's no chance. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, listen, He's, we've gone long enough. Jason's got to yeah. go golfing, okay? Well, it's next, not just that. Yeah, but no, yeah, I know, thank I you. Know. But ne- look, next week, folks, we're going to talk about Moto America, New Jersey, and there's a ton to talk about because you have two classes that are going to finish their season there that haven't been racing recently. Also, Jay, we're going to talk a little bit about the Bull Door because it's coming right. up next weekend as well. That uh, Magni Core coming up. Oh, it is that yeah. Magni Core. Oh, okay. yeah, oh, yeah, it's that Magni Core. Yeah, and then we'll talk some news. So if anything breaks between now and and the next podcast, we'll be talking about it for sure. Do you want some breaking news right now? Like yeah, right this second? Yeah, is this is this like exclusive stuff? This is exclusive, man. This is like you don't even know. You don't even know what's going to happen on our podcast next week. Hit me with your be- wait. We got a guest coming yeah. on. I'll see you new. You can uh, read me that well, can't you? You can understand what you, I'm saying. You finally booked Valentino? <laughs> Steve English is going to join us next week. Oh, we, sweet. We're, Perfect. We're Good texting timing. a little bit during this right now. And um, just I was checking in with him. And I told him our show right now, we're so jammed and packed with stuff for this week. But I'd love to talk to him next week and see what he has to say about World Superbike, some of the grumblings and things he hears over there. So, Stevie English will be on our podcast next week. By the way, I have yeah. to say this. Yeah. If you go watch Johnny Ray's latest video on YouTube, okay, yeah. your boy Alex is in there. Okay. Or, and he says, Alex says to Johnny, new rumor, Sam Lowe's is actually coming to race Kawasaki with me next year. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that whoa. Right? So talk about brothers racing teams. Yeah. We all know it's not going to happen, but eh, it was pretty okay. funny. Yeah, well, it ain't happening this year or this next year. That's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, yeah. Anyways, well, 
All right, G-Dev. We didn't really talk about – Let's, you know, we'll talk about it next week too. We're going to talk about World Shoot, whatever the Supercross, Super Motocross – because I haven't even seen it. I haven't seen any results. I don't want to know because I'm going to try to find it. And I think round two is this next weekend. So the World Super Motocross, is that what they're calling it? I don't even know what they're calling it, but we got I got to educate myself. So Super Motocross. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to – I think it was at Charlotte this last weekend it was in charlotte and it was uh extremely interesting those results were all right i'm gonna go i'm gonna go look at them i'll watch it and then we'll watch the race the next one this next saturday but for all of our listeners out there thank you so much you guys for uh for always tuning in and again thanks for coming and saying hi to greg and i we only got one race left this year doesn't even seem possible and i'm looking forward to 2024 already and um have a great weekend be safe out there we'll talk to you soon later